Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And, and I'm still not Peyton Jones. <laughs> and Peyton Jones, my little buddy, as apparently I'm Haas compared to him, is uh, not with us this week. He he got mad at me and decided he wasn't going to do the Church Planner podcast anymore. No, wait a second. That's not it. He's on vacation. That's right. He's on vacation. <laughs> That's how rumors get started. That's exactly <laughs> For people who just listened to the first 30 seconds and not 45, they think That's right. That's right. they think there's a feud. So we've got a special guest on, a special uh, substitute host, and it is Tyrone Peterson, otherwise known as uh, Tyrone. <laughs> Good catch. Yes, yes. Otherwise known as as Tyrone or as 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 Pete Mitchell just avoided, but I'm going to do it for Pete. Actually, Pete, go ahead and say what I usually get called: the White Tyrone. That I am. In fact, when I meet people, um, and I, you know, our church is is really the only white people in my in our church is my wife and I and our two daughters. Everyone else around us, um, we're multicultural, and so when people meet me, they go, "You're not Tyrone," and I've had to give them my card, show them my license, and so. They, they never forget. They just remember me as the White Tyrone. Well, we actually, since you said that you prefer for us not to refer to you as the White Tyrone, we refer to you as uh, the guy formerly known <laughs> as the White Tyrone. You <laughs> but, are broken in so many ways. I am. I am. You know what's even funnier to me, though? I, I didn't tell you this, but just a minute ago, you and I were trying to connect on Skype because you're in Florida. I'm in California. That's how we're doing today's podcast. And I, we're trying to connect on Skype, and so I'm typing in Tyrone Peterson, and the first picture comes up, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, yeah, that's not <laughs> white Tyrone. <laughs> that's no, that was not me. It was it was pretty easy to see who Tyrone Peterson wasn't since yeah, I have met I, you. I throw people off. You know, my whole life I went by Ty, and that's uh, because when you are one of several Tyrones you go to school with, and people yell down the, down the hallway, hey, white Tyrone. I'm going to go by Ty. It's going to make that easier. And um, so, and then, you know, I, I preferred Tyrone. And then when we lived in Cambodia, uh, a guy came to me and said, in my home country, he wasn't from Cambodia, he's from Indonesia. He said, uh, Ty is a vulgar word. So it's better to go by Tyrone. And so really? that's how I got started. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. Oopa. I love it. So you you said for five bucks you would give us your best Mickey Mouse impression. I, yes, I think we should lead yes. right into that. I think that should be like a highlight here at the very beginning. 
What would you like me to say? I, you know, I got to leave that up to the artist. I, I don't okay. think I can really, you know, give direction to the artist. If you're not reading Church Planner magazine, you're not really reading. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's it. That's that's you know it's 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 good it's helpful it it makes kids be quiet and long air rides you know <laughs> I want to hear Mickey Mouse do Arnold's line Get to the church blind Get to the church blind Go now Wow all right ready ready Yeah Get to the church plant Get to the church plant Go I don't know. That just might have made itself a, a permanent soundbite on the Church Planner podcast. And now, you know, at some other time, when you have another $5, I will do the Elmo Church Planner voice for you, and I'll be raking in the cash. You know, here's the thing, though. I don't actually know Elmo's voice, so... It's the same voice, pretty much. It's it's funny. The guy that does that voice um, versus the guy that does uh, Mickey Mouse's voice, they're very similar. It's just like, you know... Church Planters World, it's got Peyton, Pete Mitchell too. It's just, you know, it's it's simple. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's, dude. Oh my gosh. People have just unsubscribed, haven't they? I mean, oh, you know no what? Here, at this point. The reality is Peyton and I have, have pushed the borders on this podcast <laughs> so far that I don't think the people that are left will unsubscribe. I think I think they're in for the long haul at this point. That's all I'm it's, saying. They're gluttons for punishment. That's fantastic. Either that or they're like, no one feels our pain quite like these two guys. <laughs> and you know, the sad thing is they're going, you're going to have the other guy from Florida, Daniel. Oh, yeah. High-pitched kid. It's crazy. Anyways. Yeah. Well, today on the Church Planner Podcast, we are going to be talking about several different things. Um, one is, you know, the similarities between church planting and being a missionary, which You've had experience now in both arenas, and uh, also you wanted to talk a little bit about being uh, by <laughs> being a by pastor in a straight pastor environment. Uh, <laughs> how did you word that one again? Being a, you know, when I tell people I'm bivo, and uh, you know, I don't deal many people I, that I that I talk to are not church people, and they, all they hear is the word by, not by as in bivocational. So I have to say, you know, I, I work more than one job. I, I'm a full-time church planter, and I'm a, uh, I am I do marketing work. They're like, oh, okay. Because when I heard you were bi, I was really wondering. And so it's, it always leads to interesting conversations. You know, this is a true story, but um, my, my dad grew up in Bakersfield. And when I was born, I was born in this little city in California called Porterville. I mean okay. – if you if you blink, you're gonna drive right past it. And uh, my mom's name is Gaylene. Well, oh. she always went by Gay. Yeah, of course she did. Because that's just you know everyone called her Gay. I mean, all my family on my dad's side still call her Gay. No one calls her Gaylene. Well, when my dad took the uh, the pastor job in San Francisco. <laughs> He gets there, right? And he's like meeting the congregation. And he's like, yeah, I'm the new pastor. And this is my wife, Gay. And they're like, uh, you can't say that here. <laughs> like, that's that's true story. That's why now she goes by Gaylene because, you know, of, of where they moved to. She she doesn't go by Gay anymore. That's oh, I'm out. sure. I'm sure. That's the time you change your name entirely. Your mom's new name is... Chris, Chris Albert. Never mind. Your name is Gailey. Stick with, stick with Gailey. That's good. Yeah, there you go. So, well, anyway, before we get into today's topic or actually some smack talk, we got to do a little bit of a, of a sponsorship here. So let me, let me cue Yoda up. Welcome. You are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by Mogif. Hey, uh, Tyrone. White Tyrone. Formerly known as White Tyrone. Let me ask you a question. You uh, you ever thought about getting started with online giving? You know, I have. And in fact, I'm a MoGive subscriber. I'm a MoGive user. We use MoGive for all of our online giving. Um, and for our recurrent giving, 
Uh, in fact, if you go to our website, themosaic.church, click on donations, you can give, and it's a MoGive site. Um, and the reason we chose it was because Church Planner Magazine recommended it. Um, we heard about it on the podcast. Pete and Peyton were talking about it a ton, and and I looked at a bunch of options, and we called them. And getting started was super fast. The reason I mentioned my website is I'm not a web designer guy. I'm a I'm a pastor, right? Um, I'm a five o pastor for goodness sakes. And in I don't a have straight pastor put, world. In a straight pastor world, and I don't have a lot of time to you know invest in putting on website stuff. And and they it was super simple. I mean, it was fast and easy. See, there you have it. That's what we've been saying, guys, all this time. So when you ask us to help you out and I happen to go to your website and I see you don't have MoGive, you have PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder, I wonder why. <laughs> Just go to MoGive.com forward slash church to find out more information. Again, that's MoGive.com forward slash church. And MoGive is spelled M-O-G-I-V. Sorry, can't do it as well as Peyton, but that's as good Mo-Gib. as I got. Yeah, there we go. I like it. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Now that it's that part of the show where we talk smack, what you gonna do when the Church Planner Podcast runs wild on you? I gotta tell you, going starting out the show with the uh, being a bivo pastor in a straight pastor world, I don't even know that I have any smack talk to bring out. You got any smack uh, talk for us? Did you come prepared? I, You know, I did not honestly come prepared to smack talk, although I did listen to uh, an MMA podcast just so I could kind of get myself in the zone and be ready for it. Um, But uh, I guess I'll throw this out. This isn't really smack talk, but it's something I wrote uh, the other day on Facebook. Um, And it's one of my new things I'm going towards, which is I'd rather have a church of 400 bandits committed to God changing them and changing their community rather than a church of 40,000 where people just read about it. That's my smack talk of the day. Well, you just kind of put a damper on the smack talk now. Now we got to be serious right out of the gate. Well, you talk smack. That's fine. <laughs> you know, I, I love it. You know, I honestly, I, I don't have a whole lot of smack talk, probably because we're actually, beca- because of the schedules, right? Peyton not being able to do the show. Um, normally, Peyton and I record every Friday and release the show on Monday. But today's Tuesday. And so I usually have a whole week of stuff happen to me for me to actually come up with some good smack talk stories. And uh, I feel like I just talked about smack talk the other day because I kind of did just talk about smack talk the other day. So I don't know that I really have anything else to share. But, so, uh, yeah. I mean, there's crazy things God's doing, like amazing things God's doing around here. Uh, people getting saved, people getting baptized. But is it smack talk worthy? I mean, how do you guys define smack talk? Smack what? talk is usually the it's it's usually the stuff that has very little to do with actual church planning topics. Mm. So it'll be like like yesterday, you and I were talking about smack talk, and you said something you wanted to talk about Star Wars or uh, yeah, okay, Star Wars. Uh, Jar Jar Binks. This guy is he the worst character in any movie ever? I mean, how is George Lucas remembered as a cinematic genius when you put Jar Jar Binks into a movie? I mean, think about this. You have this entire legacy and you throw this terrible character in it. Yeah. You know, what's really funny is uh, Disney just came out with a a relatively new show. I, I think it's relatively new. I just saw it the other day. And recorded it for my son. And it's uh, it's another Star Wars cartoon, a Legos Star Wars cartoon. Huh. And it's okay. called Droid Tales. And um, so they've only, as far as I can tell, there's only been one episode that's been released so far. And so I'm watching it with my son. And I think we had to watch it like three times yesterday morning. And I thought about this after you mentioned Jar Jar Binks. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to save this for when you mentioned Jar Jar Binks. But... What um what they did in this cartoon is every time Jar Jar Binks shows up, <laughs> they kill him. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. And he keeps coming back and they keep blowing him up. And I'm like, okay, so you know, he gets shot twice in the first episode and in like pushed out an airlock. And I'm like, okay, maybe this will be like a recurring theme in every episode. And so yeah. I, that, that would be the only saving grace. Like they had the further adventures of Jar Jar Binks and all he is is tortured. 
I'd be okay with that. My other challenge is when people talk about great, you know, cinematic trilogies, I think honestly, uh, I, I, the Godfather trilogy is the best uh, trilogy out there. But you, you look at it and you think, why would you put Sofia Coppola in as your as as the daughter in 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 Godfather Part Three? Why would anybody do this? I just talk about starting strong and finishing poor. That, you know, that's, here, that's, yeah. here's the thing, though. I I you and I started to talk briefly about the Godfather yesterday. To be fair. I think I need to go back and rewatch the trilogy. I think it's been too many years because I can barely remember what happens in the second and third Godfathers. And um, I actually remember liking all three of them. And I felt like the third movie was the natural conclusion to the first two. So I know that a lot of people like were really, oh, I hate Godfather three. It's awful. Why they? And I'm like, yeah, but I kind of. To me, it made sense. So I think I need to go back and rewatch it. Maybe it's because I'm used to reading like, and this is going to sound really geeky, but I like Russian and Japanese literature. And so I'm used to oh, things. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm serious. <laughs> like good writing, lasting and, and, and ending well. And I don't know why Check, it is. Check, please. What was that? Check, please. <laughs> no, really. Like, you know, the. The Seer Fertility, the Tetralogy of no- Novels by Yukio Mishima. Four novels, thousands of pages. Ends is great. You know, I mean, it's a recurrent theme. Nobody screws up. Why is it when it comes to movies, you can't do three movies well? Rocky Three. How does that happen? Anyways. Wait, okay, Rocky Three. Um, that's the one where he loses the Clubber Lang. Yeah, actually, that was probably the best. Yeah, number three. Yeah, I was trying to remember which one was in Rocky Three. See, the very first Rocky that I saw was actually Rocky Four. What? Yeah, I we'd we'd never. I mean, I was a young kid, right? That so, is right. um, I was actually at my cousin's in Bakersfield, of all places, and they're like, "Oh, let's go see Rocky Four. So I loved Rocky Four, and then we went home and like Rocky One or Two was on TV, and so you know we we watched it. Rocky Five was the worst. Yes, yes, that was it. Now, by the way, you're from Bakersfield, the home of carrots. Well, I'm not from Bakersfield. My cousins are. Okay, well, you've eaten the best carrots in the world right out of Bakersfield. I'll take your word for it. I have no idea. That's where most of your carrots come from. From Bakersfield? Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anything grow in Bakersfield. It's carrots. All I've seen are oil derricks and stuff like that. Sure. Bakersfield, I you know, if you're a church planner in Bakersfield, you know God's called you to the uh, to the ends of the earth. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it as that. that that's nice. That, that's pretty much it right there. But yeah, so I I think um, I think I'd have to go back and watch those. Uh, in fact, Jonathan Ferguson, I believe it was Jonathan Ferguson, he posted on Facebook the other day like this this chart. I think it was Jonathan Ferguson. This chart of like um, all the trilogies and like which ones were good and which ones were bad. And I think he was the one who commented and said, well, you know, the problem with this chart is that it, it says that, that there was a matrix two and three and those didn't actually exist. They, they, they've never made anything (laughs) past the matrix. Did you see the matrix? Yeah, I did. I see. I loved the matrix and I loved the second and third. I, there was like nothing they could do wrong by me in the matrix. That's yeah, how much I, I like that. Have you seen the Highlander? Oh yeah. Now that one, that they totally screwed up the second, the third, the TV show, everything past the first movie. Yeah. So the, the, I obviously saw the Highlander, you know, before Christ. Um, but <laughs> you know, because you can't, you got to make sure you throw that out there because you don't want people going, Oh, Pastor saw Highlander. Last well, do you week. remember what Daniel said on his podcast when we were interviewing him, we were talking, I think about Anchorman, and I go, I don't know if I can say this on hardcore church planet. And he goes, well, we take communion every week. And I was kind of like, what? And he goes, cause I love that movie. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> the great thing about Daniel is when Daniel says he's half black and you meet him and he, he lives in Delray. So he and I met halfway in Boca. And uh, you meet him, and and the funny thing is, is that I'm a I'm a white dad with black kids because they were foster parents. He's uh he's half black, and we the crazy racist stuff you hear in Florida when people either don't know you have black family or you're actually black yourself, and just having to love people through that. 
Really? He was sharing a story about how this woman is insulting black people to his face, and he's leading her to Christ. And he's like, I'm not going to say a thing because she's going to come to faith in Christ, and God's going to change her from the inside out. Yeah, I remember that. man has a great attitude. I love that guy. I remember that. That was pretty crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Anyway, man, I'm sorry, dude. I cut you off on your Highlander story. No, no, no. I'm just done. I cut you off. So we can get back to either being a Bible pastor in a straight pastor's world or I think that's what we mission. need to do. We, we've 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 done our smack talk for the day. Yeah. Doc Brown, go ahead and kick us off. Great Scott. It's time for this week's topic. All right. This week's topic on the Church Planner Podcast, we're gonna be talking about uh church planting and uh the similarities between that and being a missionary. And uh and as we've been saying all all podcasts long. Being a bivo pastor in a straight pastor world. So before we get started with that, Tyrone, since you've been on the podcast before, but people may not have listened to those episodes. Did you do one or two? I don't remember. I did one, and it was the worst episode ever, and I still apologize for it. (laughs) It wasn't. wasn't. I was wooden. I was like Al Gore at like a comedy fest. It It was rough. It was not good. Well, we actually do have a ratings box of what's the worst uh, podcast that we've done. And uh, I will say yours is not the worst that we've ever done. Y- yours is not at the top of that list. I can't tell you which one is at the top of that list because it there was a guest on it. <laughs> but but there is a chart and and yours isn't on the top of that. So why don't you uh, why don't you give everyone a little bit of background on yourself? Um, tell us how you came to faith and uh, how you got started in church planning. Okay, so uh, here's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, I grew up in St. Paul, Minnesota. My dad left when I was two. My mom raised five of us on $10,000 or less a year. Um, I had a brother who was big time into selling drugs, and uh, just kind of that was my background. Part of my life, I lived next to a crack house. Part of my life, I lived in like supplemented housing, um, but kind of the crazy deal was um, we never went to church, like ever. Like we get baptized. I got baptized when I was five um, as a Catholic, and that's that's like delayed, right? I mean, there's Christmas and Easter Catholics. We were what's called millennial Catholics, <laughs> which is once in a thousand years. Um, and so when I was ten, I went to a half hour vacation Bible school. And this lady gave a, gave a altar call, love Jesus, go to heaven. Don't love Jesus, go to hell. Seemed like pretty straightforward to me. I gave my life to Christ there and my mom wouldn't let me go to church um, at all. She said, if you want to go to church, your only choice is you have to walk two miles to church by yourself and it's a Catholic church and I'm not going to support you at all. So I would just stay at home and I'd pray every night for hours and hours and hours. Hmm. Um, and I was 10. And, uh, so sometimes I pray for two, three hours. And one night, uh, I started speaking in tongues. It was the craziest deal. And this is actually part of my story. Um, so then I started a backslide and I discovered girls and I discovered wrestling and I went to college. And when I went to college, I got my degree in business and religion, uh, and I want to get my doctorate in theology and teach, but I would not have considered myself a Christian at that time. Um, and uh, so when I was 26, I caught my boss committing a felony. Actually, I was 25. Caught my boss committing a felony, turned him in, moved back to Minnesota from where I was living in Boston. And uh, I got on my knees and I was like, Lord, my life is so broken. I feel like you're calling me. Keep calling me and I'll come back to you. Now, if you recall, I got my degree in business and religion. I'm uniquely qualified either to be a televangelist or a uh, or or a, um, a pastor, apparently. And so I wanted to get my doctorate and teach. So I studied all the religions backwards, from pantheism to um, Hinduism to Buddhism to Islam to Judaism. And I I said pantheism makes no sense to me. I said uh, Hinduism makes no sense to me. Buddhism makes no sense to me. Like I I was just doing like a you know an academic search. I said. Islam is totally off. <clears throat> I said, Judaism is fulfilled in Christianity. I should explore Christianity. So I, I went to a church, um, and I had all these pastors reaching out to me. I went to a church March 17th, 1996. Everyone else is getting drunk. It's St. Patrick's Day. I'm living in St. Paul, a very Irish city. And uh, 
a guy gives an altar call on a Sunday night about not feeling shame. And I didn't know what an altar call was. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. So I walked up to an usher, an usher and said, how do I do this whole getting saved thing? He's like, what? And I said, yeah, how do you do this whole getting saved thing? And he goes, uh, and so he walks me through the Romans road. Um, fast forward 10 years to the day, my wife and I went to the missions field hmm. um, and, and launched into this whole missions thing. I'd been in corporate America. I'd been selling software. Um, and in that 10 year time, God kind of took me from this guy who the moment I got saved, I didn't know dropping the F-bomb wasn't okay. So I sat the next Sunday, I sat behind a couple at a church and told them they have an effing great marriage. I want to have an effing marriage just like them. And I want to be, you know, I want to get, I want to be in an effing church, right? <laughs> to all of a sudden, 10 years later, I'm leading people to Christ in foreign lands. And so that's kind of my story of faith. We've lived in Mexico, Honduras, Cambodia, and now we're church planners in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Let's talk about your your first missionary experience. Um, uh, wh- which country was the, the first one you went to for missionary work? So we went uh, to Guadalajara, Mexico um, for like a training stint. And then we went right down to Honduras. And I pastored a church of a thousand people in Honduras. So tell us all about that. How did you and your wife feel like you got called to that and um, – you know, the training, like what organization were you with? And, and, you know, tell us about that experience. So, uh, my wife had come out of an assemblies of God background and, um, I'd come out of kind of a crazy background. I, you know, I, uh, I'd gone to a Presbyterian school. I had a, had kind of a reformed background in terms of my, um, religious studies, although I wasn't a Christian. And then when I got saved, I got saved at a, uh, or I rededicated my life, I guess we'd say, um, at a, uh, at a non-denominational church. And so we were actually going to, to an AG church. We met a guy from YWAM who said, hey, come down to this discipleship training school with us and come check it out. And we've been praying about it. We've been feeling the call in our lives. Um, actually had a had a guy show up at a, a house church one night uh, that our friends had. And um, God gave him a word about me and basically said, you're called to be a missionary, uh, blah, 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 blah. What he didn't know is that was a total confirmation of what we had been planning. And so, uh, you know, we ended up getting out of Mexico, went through some training, uh, and then uh, got a call from a guy saying, hey, our church in Honduras, the pastor had to leave because he was sick. Um, Can you take it over? And I was like, well, I've never pastored a church before, so we can do it for up to three months. And so, because we knew that's how long we'd have a a visa for. So we moved down to Honduras. Uh, My wife and kids followed about a month later. And... uh, I started taking people uh, through the book of John. Uh, I preached five times a week in Spanish. And so we first went to the book of John and went to the book of Acts. And um, and it was the start of a wild adventure. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So tell us what happened next. After you left Honduras, wh- where did uh, God take you at that point? Well, God brought us back to the U.S. And we spent some time in the U.S. Um, our daughters had some health issues. I actually ended up getting me a knee replaced. Um, and uh, went back into corporate America. But what's funny, Pete, is this whole missions work that we did, so often you meet people who went to college to be missionaries. And they do a great job. And they're, they are, uh, what I, I, I hate to really use this term, but they're professional pastors, right? This is all they've done. But the greatest people I've seen out in the missions field are the people that worked a, a different job before they went into the missions field. Maybe they were laborers. Maybe they, you know, I have a friend in Cambodia right now who was a mechanic and is now teaching kids how to do body work in Cambodia, right? Um, I've met some of the greatest teachers that now are serving abroad as missionaries in countries that aren't open to Christ, but they're acting as teachers, right? Um, And so I think that's something that when people go in the missions field, if if you're on this podcast and you're thinking, well, gosh, I'm not really ready for it, or I don't know if I can do it. Hey, if I can do it, and I hate to use that kind of cliched line, if I can do it, you can do it. You know what I mean? Right. It's just amazing um, because God will use all those life experiences to reach people. God is uses – I'm a connector. I connect people all the time. You know how it goes, Pete. And um, God uses that all the time in the missions field, whether that's there or that's now here in the U.S. So so tell us I, – I, and the reason why I want to go down this path is – I. 
you and I have talked about your story before, and I know how it how it ends where you're currently at. And I shouldn't say ends, but how it brings you to where you're currently at. It's probably a better way to put it. Because um, I hope it doesn't end. Well, <laughs> yeah, that would kind of. I get hit by a meteor tonight. Well, no, it's Pete was prophetic. Oh man, don't put that on me. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so you're back in the states, and and you feel God calling you back out to the mission field again. Where do you go from there? Uh, we went to Cambodia. So here's the truth. Um, I, I, we, we had been sitting in the U S trying to figure out what we're supposed to do. And we got called to Cambodia. Uh, my wife and I went there and we knew we were going to be there in the city of Phnom Penh for about 18 months. And we thought that we'd be going to the provinces and, you know, after 18 or 24 months and God brought us to Cambodia where we ended up working with a great organization. Um, and basically I went from, okay, I'm going to start churches to working with youth. And, you know, doors opened where we basically ended up acting almost as foster parents for about 12 boys who happened to be living in a men's program, but they were between the ages of like 11 and 17 or 18. And God just used this time to really just mold and shape um, who we were as a couple and who I am as a person and who Rachel is as a person. Um, And it was a, the roughest experience I've ever gone through, just brutal, just mm. hard. Right. Um, and it was hard on our kids, but it was awesome. I mean, I, I, man, I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. Now I look back and think, I love Cambodia. I love everything about it. I had dengue fever. My kids had dengue fever. My, I'm sorry. My kids had typhoid. My wife had typhoid. I had typhoid twice. And yet I just look and go, thank you, Jesus, for a great experience like that. And then God, God brought us back to the U.S. Uh, and we knew we had like four or five different confirmations that God was calling us back to the U.S. Uh, we came back to the U.S. and um, about two years ago, we spent six months working on something in, in Minnesota, a, a statewide outreach uh, where 2,196 kids gave their lives to the Lord in 22 days. Mm. And then God called us down here to Florida where originally, um, you know, Pete, I was trying to figure out what God wanted me to do. Should I go on staff somewhere? Should I not? And a couple different pastors that weren't part of my, you know, I hate the word tribes. It gets used so often, um, but they weren't part of my denomination. were part of my circle of friends. They, uh, they all grabbed me and said, dude, you need to be a church planner. One was with Converge, um, which uh, is who I'm with now. Uh, another guy was with uh, uh, Southern Baptists. Another guy was an assemblies guy. And every one of them said, look, you're, God's called you to this. God has designed you for this. And, and this is just like the missions field. And, uh, and I was like, really? It is? And I got down here. And, yeah, it's just like the missions field. Um, and, in fact, uh, the way I met you guys was I was at Exponential last year um, or a year and a half ago. And that's where I picked up my copy of Church Zero that I'm holding in my hand right here. Cha-ching. I was waiting for it. And um, – and that's where I met uh, Peyton, and I, I got addicted to the podcasts. And um, and I'm just going to throw something out here. It's actually also where I uh, I learned about Jump School, which if uh, anybody on the podcast is trying to think about where can they go for training, what the best training is out there. I've gone through so much training. I've listened to so much training um, for church planning, and I will tell you without a doubt, that is the best training I've undergone. Is Jump period. School. Jump School. Jump school is the best. Because... <laughs> oh, jump school. Ho, ho, ho. Um, no, I, and I'll share why. Because we have taken church planting in many ways, made it an industry or made it a do this in these ways to reach these people in this manner. Um, and I've used some of those phrases. We're going to work the W. There's nothing wrong with that tactic. We're going to gather people. Nothing wrong with that tactic. What I like about jump school is jump school is about principles, not about rote ways to do it. And so what I've used jump school to do is to kind of come back in. And as Peyton says, read the book of Acts as if and reimagine it as if we're happening right here today in my context. So out of that, man, 
things have taken off. Is, I'm sorry. Can I can I talk about this a bit? Go for it, man. Things have taken off here in the last really month um, because I got frustrated and said all this rote stuff I'm trying to do, all this formulatic stuff I'm trying to do, isn't working for me, and it might work for other people, but we we're getting by with very little support. Um, I'd like to see an increase, but it is what it is. Um, I'm having to work a part-time job to a full-time job while I'm doing this. Um, and you know, I don't know anybody here. I mean, I literally came to a city where I don't know anybody. And by the way, we can't really take people from other churches because only 7% of my city goes to church four times or more per year. So yeah, that, that was one of the things that I thought is kind of key for people to even really understand about where you're at. Yeah. It's, it's a very anti-Christian uh, part of the country. Oh, it's crazy. Let me, let me give you some examples. Um, so 7% of my tr- city goes to church four times or more per year. Broward County itself is the most unchurched county in the U.S., the most de-churched, meaning people who used to go to church who don't, and the most amount of people who've never believed in God out of any county in the U.S. Um, when God called us here, I was like, oh, awesome. You know, I can make friends with everybody, and I can. But the places that I'm having a hard time are, for example, for me to rent a school for a couple hours a week, it's $4,000 a month. Oh, my gosh. Just to rent an auditorium. Um, and the reason is, is it's part of a way for schools not to have to rent to churches. Because if they can't afford it, you know, they can't rent it. Um, our city that we're in, and I say we're in Fort Lauderdale, but we're actually in a suburb. Our city that we're in wants us to register as a business. And I've had to go to them saying, I'm not going to do it because that's unconstitutional. And the moment I register as a business, you can tell me what I can and can't teach. And they don't necessarily argue that. So it's just, it's a very strange place I live in. And, and yet I, I totally love being here. I mean, we've really started turning things on their heads. Um, we're trying to live in Ephesians 4 kind of model where we're taking men and women, training them and sending them out to go reach people. So literally um, a week and a half ago, I bet we baptized our first guy here. And he's grabbing people saying, these people want to get right with God. Awesome. Then he's doing his part. Now I got to do my part. And hopefully we will start being able to gather people, uh, holding barbecues in our backyard, you know, getting coconuts out of our trees, mangoes out of our trees, serving up great meals and, and reaching people. Hmm. You know, every day I'm over to Starbucks spending money on coffee because I get to sit there and talk to everybody about Jesus, you know? So it's it's a great experience. I'm so thankful to them. And you've had some really interesting experiences. Um, you know, when people find out you're a pastor or a Christian, and I mean, you've shared with me on numerous occasions where people just go off. Yeah, yeah. We had a lady who, when she found out I was feeding homeless people, was mad. But when she found out I was a pastor feeding homeless people, she lost her mind. Um, and her whole attitude was like, you know, you better watch out. You know, the city will find out what you're doing. And when they find out, they're going to stop you, mister. I was like, wow, you, <laughs> you're really, yeah. I, I looked at her and said, you're really obviously angry about something. I don't know what it is, but we're not going to stop. Our job is to love people. If people want to stop us from loving people, then they can take that up with God. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just, y- y- there are many times I just don't tell people I'm a pastor. Um, we just tell people we love people. And, you know, we share out of the love that we have that God has given us. And if they ask a little bit deeper, then they ask a little bit deeper. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, it's, y- y- there's, there's people that are just grumpy and they're just, they, because they're, they perceive themselves as, <clears throat> as being outsiders, right? Um, and sometimes they see themselves as outsiders because of choice or because of the lifestyles that they've lived in or the choices they've made. <clears throat> and they worry <clears throat> excuse me. Sometimes about rejection, and we just we let them know God loves them constantly, hmm. unendingly, and so do we. We're not going to always endorse what they do, but God loves them, and He wants to call them um, into a right relationship with them, or with Him, rather. Well, now tell me a little bit about being uh, a bivocational pastor, because <clears throat> I, I would venture to say that 
at least 90% of the church planners that listen to this show are bivocational at bare okay. minimum 90%. So, um, I, I mean, you've done a lot of different things, but I, I want to talk to you about being bivocational, um, your thoughts on it, maybe your thoughts on the best type of, uh, jobs that uh, a pastor can go into, um, that kind of a thing. And, uh, so, I mean, let's just, let's just start with your initial thoughts on being bivocational as opposed to full-time is, is full-time a goal for you or do you prefer the bivo, uh, pastor role? Uh, to be honest, <clears throat> I think full-time would be an ideal position just because man, I would love to not have to have the constant stress. Right. But I think I'd still work bivo if that makes sense. I'd love to have, you know, where, um, maybe I still work, but I'm, I'm not as reliant upon that. Um, right now I'm totally reliant on, if I didn't have this job, I'd be, I mean, we, it would, we wouldn't be able to do it. Um, but with that being said, you know, um, <clears throat> sorry, let me take another drink. There's really two challenges here, Pete. Um, the biggest challenge is the amount of time that being Bible, Bible takes you out of what you could be doing, quote unquote. But I think the benefit is the benefit is, wow, I meet so many people because of it. I'm out talking to people all the time. And when people, let's face it, people have false <clears throat> ideas of what being a pastor is because they've seen things on TV. You know, they expect you to be driving, you know, a, uh, a brand new Lambo or a Mercedes and you're, you have chains and watches hanging down everywhere and, you know, $5,000 suits. And, and when they find out, well, I'm, I'm a pastor who works a part-time job and, you know, or a full-time job. And here's what I'm doing. Um, I think it gives credence and credibility to what you're doing. Mm. Um, and when they hear, Hey, look, you know, the, the money that's coming in, I'm using to feed people. Then they're like, really? As opposed to, Hey, fill my coffers. Right. And, and, you know, I think people understand that a pastor has to, has to be able to make a living, but they, it helps them see the fact that it, this is not for us. I mean, first Peter chapter five talks about not lording it over people and not doing it for um, great financial gain. And yet people have this image of pastors, you know, just lording over people and, you know, ripping the sheep off for every dollar they have. And, and so I think it actually benefits me to a certain extent being able to reach people. Um, and so that's why he said, Hey, you know, this is my goal to be, to be full-time. Uh, I would like to not have to be as reliant upon it, I guess would be the way I'd put it. Um, in fact, someday when we are able to pay full-time salaries to people, one of the things I'd like to still see is our staff, everybody in our staff work at least an outside part-time job because of the value of meeting your neighbors. And I think the, the best jobs <clears throat> are jobs that make you meet people. Working at a Home Depot, working at a Starbucks, working at um, – I hate to say McDonald's, but, you know, working somewhere like that, <laughs> right? I mean, just because I hate McDonald's, but. Um, hey, you but, get to come home every night smelling like French fries. Who can argue with that? I've done it. I've done it. And it's it's awful. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, that idea of being able to interact with people. And, you know, here's the other deal. Most people can reach people 10 years older than them or 10 years younger than them. So if if that's kind of your schema, then find out where your people are and find a job working there. I do marketing work for small firms. Um, and so, you know, I do uh, email campaigns and helping put together events and um, and Facebook stuff for uh, a small firm. And, you know, frankly, by the way, uh, Pete, uh, gosh, I seem like I'm totally endorsing your guys' stuff, but Pete, you wrote a great book on uh, Facebook marketing <laughs> and, and I liked it. Gee, you know, gee, gee, I wonder why you liked it so much. It's because I interviewed you for it. Bubbing! Um, but uh, no, it's it, it was uh, – so that's kind of what I do. Um, I will say this much. <clears throat> I work <clears throat> among pastors a lot of times who who have you know full-time income and they work full-time for their church and they, and they just don't get it, right? They've worked in, in churches that have been around for 30 years. And so you tell them, they say, well, wh where's your where's your location at? And you say, we don't have a location yet. They're like, what? 
And they go, okay, well, hey, let's meet on, on Monday morning. And you're like, I can't meet Monday morning. Oh, do you have a staff meeting? No, I'm working my part-time job. You're what? And so, you know, sometimes you kind of get that attitude. But for the most part, I think outside of the church and outside of working with non-Christians, or with Christians, rather, with non-Christians, it gives you a great deal of credibility. And I, and I highly endorse it. So as um, doing some of the outside work that you do, uh, do you do you do it as kind of like a consultant, like what I do, where I've got, you know, a variety of different clients? Or do you just, like, basically uh, do it for one specific company? Or, I, I mean, what's your what's your your are you just purely doing it for, hey, I got a skill set, I need income, I'm doing it for these guys because they give me enough income that frees me up to do you know, the church stuff? Uh, so right now I've got one client. Uh, I would, I, I'm open to picking up more uh, because you know, like sometimes a client can only use you for so long. So you kind of have to look, it's cloud by day, fire by night, right? And you have to kind of go, okay, God, where are you leading me at this time? Um, but it really is, for me, it's saying, okay, I need to hit X number of dollars. And I, because I need to be free enough to be able to do this church plan. And that's kind of the place I'm at. I've got it. I use the, um, the bivocational work, not only to introduce me to people, but to provide enough income for me to be able to continue doing what I'm doing. So that kind of answer your question. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, so go ahead. I just was, that's interesting. You know, I always love to find uh, church planners who who do, um, you know, the type of consulting work that I do. But, uh, you know, and I've I've had this conversation with Peyton. Um, I feel that some of the skill sets that I've got would be very valuable to church planners as far as income is concerned. Oh, yeah. I can show them. And and you know this because you're in one of my mastermind groups. Um, I can I can show people how to make money doing a lot of this stuff. But at the same time too, I know that the consultant road, like the, the consultant road that I go down, um, doesn't necessarily put you in contact with a lot of people like a good 95% of the work that I do is done right here at my house behind my three monitors. Right. And you know, Pete kind of to come back to that, I will say this much. You and I started talking a year ago about kind of doing more along the lines of work of what you do. And part of it was just getting that mindset of, wow, okay, I could, I could maybe do that. Because, you know, one of the hard parts is many of us are stuck in an employee mindset. So for the last year, the work I've been doing is more been a consultant, right? Where I go in and um, I'm offering more. It's more from originally just kind of doing the constant contact work to, okay, I'll talk to some of your employees about Christ to now I'm just kind of a voice for the um, the business owner to talk to. In fact, you know, the, the corporate chaplain skill that you guys had, I think it was a hard, uh, the Hardcore Church Planner podcast, um, those guys kind of do what I do. So it's kind of a mixture of, hey, talk about our marketing side and let's talk about Jesus. Um, so, you know, uh, I'll meet with the CEO of this company on Thursday morning and we'll talk about God. You know, we'll talk about God, uh, how as Christians we have responsibility to our employees and things like that. Mm. Um, but, you know, I have another guy that I'll meet with on Thursday night um, and we're taking a look at how to, you know, maybe he would come on as a client and we're talking about, okay, how do we approach your target market? And he doesn't want to talk about Jesus at all. Well, at least I'm interfacing with him. In fact, when we lived in Cambodia, I won't name the name of the school that I was at. But I was a professor of English at a, at a large university. And there are a lot of um, leaders, kids that went to this university. And it gave me a perfect chance to talk about Christ with these kids, even though I couldn't talk about Christ. So I would just talk about, hey, here's what, here's what your celebration is. And here's what Easter is. You know, uh, Christmas time. Christmas time came around. They're asking Chur, which is short for teacher, Chur, why do they care about a snowman and what a snow looked like? So we talked about what snow looked like, and we talked about what the snowman looked like, but then we talked about what Christmas really was about, right? And so I think no matter what the position it is, whether it's a consultant, which case you're typically working with 
leaders in some format, or you're, um, you know, maybe, maybe you're working in a factory or you're a firefighter or like Peyton was, or you're working at a, at a Starbucks or whatever. You can use that context to share Christ because it's all missions work. Hmm. Right. Um, it just depends on who's your market for the mission and, you know, what skill set do you have for that mission? Right. You know? And really just letting God, God use you. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, I mean, th- this has been something that I've, I've, struggled with a lot in the sense that um, I always feel like I'm not doing enough for the kingdom. Um, and, and I think a large part of that is founded. I mean, you know, some people are like, Oh, were you doing the magazine? You're doing the podcast. Honestly, in my mind, any monkey can do what I do. Like it, it it's not like a highly specialized skill set. I just happen to do it. Um, and, and, the funny thing is, though, is what I really, really love and enjoy is business. I mean, I love it. I love reading a good marketing book. Like some people like to curl up with, you know, John Wesley or whatever. Like that would be a Peyton, right? You know, he's right, always talking right. about love. And to me, I'm like, okay, all of those books, like all the Francis Chan and David Platt and all, all of those books, I have to listen to on Audible because I can't bring myself to crack the spine of the print book. And it's just the way that I'm wired. Like to me, it doesn't get me excited the way it does for a Peyton who loves that stuff. But what does get me excited is business. I love business, man. I love reading stories on it, articles on it, um, listening to podcasts, going to seminars. I mean, I eat that stuff up. And, uh, you know, one day I was just like, all right, look, I'm going to take this love that God's given me and the skill set that I've got. I'm just going to use it and and use it for God, essentially. And just, all right, you know, here's what it is, God, and show me how I can use this for you. Show me because you've given me this love. You've definitely given me a skill set here. And I just want to know how I can use it for you. And that's that's kind of where I've had to leave that. Um, because it isn't like working at a Starbucks, like what you were talking about, or a Lowe's or a Home Depot, right? Where you're going to meet right. people. It's, t- it's totally different. Like, but you are right. I do meet with CEOs all the time. Like that's who my clients are, are usually the CEOs, CFOs, or COOs of a company. Hey, can I, can I chuck something out there for you? Yeah, please. Um, you know, when I was selling software, most of my time was spent working at my home office. And then I'd be out in the field talking to people, right? And it was funny because I'd be working at my home office communicating with employees at the at the main office or whatever. And I'd lead people to Christ over FaceTime, um, hmm. over over Skype, over whatever, over the phone. Um, because our missions field doesn't stop um just because we, you know, um we, we're not in the missions field, quote unquote, because we're not in the full-time mission uh, employment uh, or uh, pastorate. In fact, if we're all ambassadors for Christ, if we're all ministers of reconciliation, man, then we're all called to work where we're called to work. I meet with a guy tonight um, and uh, he is a mechanic and I, I felt like I had a word from God for him uh, not long ago. And it's that he's an evangelist and the guy clearly is um, now that I know him, he clearly is. And you know, he's wondering, well, should I leave being a mechanic? I'm like, low, no, 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 man. Reach people as a mechanic. People come to you every day as a mechanic. People all the time have brokenness in their lives. Reach them as a mechanic. Pete, I got to be honest. You, you have the greatest missions field I don't get to go into. You, you're, you're in a missions field right now where you deal with, I mean, you look at your client set. You deal with some of the greatest people out there. That I'll never meet. That missionaries will never meet. You're mm. the missionary to them. I think so often um, we try to put on somebody else's clothes like David you know, was supposed to put on Saul's armor when it just doesn't fit. I mean, half the time, Rick Warren, when he wrote The Purpose Driven Church, he dedicated it to bivocational pastors everywhere. Why? Because bivocational pastors, man, it's rough on them, but it's also... Uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm kind of adding this to what he said, but it's also because, man, they are constantly in the missions field. I mean, I really want to encourage that 90% of 
your podcast, it's just like me. They're constantly in the missions field, whether they're driving an over the road truck and they're coming home and their wife and their kids are cleaning up the house so they can do service in their home, or they're working at a restaurant or they're missionaries out in the field somewhere. Man, you're in the best position ever because you're right there constantly in the missions field. Most pastors wish they could get out from behind their desk and go talk to people. And we're free to talk to everybody. That's interesting, man. That's interesting. I didn't know that you could actually lead someone to Christ through FaceTime. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. No, I I I met met a a former, he's now a Christian, I let a former uh, Muslim co-worker to Christ um, over Skype. That's so crazy. Yeah, his his dad had been Muslim, his mom is Christian. uh, And, And I mean that literally, to me that's crazy to like, even think about using technology that way because I don't think I've ever heard that before. All I've ever heard is, you know, uh, you know, I met with someone, we were at the beach together, we were at lunch together, you know, we were using the old line doing life together. Yeah. And I, to me, that's actually, that's just such a, a, a novel thought, which probably to a lot of the listeners, they'll be like, well, of course you can lead them into Christ over the phone, but I've never had that thought before, man. Seriously, that's the first time that thoughts ever crossed my mind. So I'm just starting a thing. um, And actually, I I probably should have gotten it kicked off before I mentioned this. But, um, you know, I do sermon nets on uh, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, And if anybody wants to follow me on Instagram, I'm the underscore real underscore Tyrone underscore Peterson. Uh, because there are a bunch of Tyrone Petersons, and I don't want to put in the white Tyrone. But um, I'm I'm willing to bet you'll be the only white one. I'm just going to throw that out there. Pretty much am. Um, and on Facebook, I'm Ty Peterson. Um, on uh, on YouTube, we're going to start up, but it's it's you know basically I'm looking to try to see if I can get the site 15 second sermon and three minute sermon. Um, and the idea is that you know I put these small sermonettes up there, and I started doing it, and the unchurched, the unsaved started commenting. Um, and people from around the world are sending me messages, asking me questions about it. Really? Um, and pastors are like, Hey, can I, can I pull this down and use it for my sermon? You know? And the whole idea is it's technology. I mean, this is like writing words on paper and sending them out when paper was new. Um, all this technology, I mean, it, it's just another chance, another Avenue into someone's life. You know, I think about Billy Graham and, and how he used to rent, you know, time and make TV movies. You know, I mean, there's no reason why I'm looking at Periscope, the, the you know, the, the new right. social media thing, yeah. trying to figure out, okay, how do I use that to reach people? You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I'm, I'm pumped. And I think anything, anything that's out there, we can use it. Um, you know? Yeah. Well, one of the things that we've shared on the podcast before is uh, one of my professors at Biola, I was a film major. And he used to say, he goes, you know, if you think about how film works, that it's 24 still pictures that are shown on a screen in one second, um, you know, 24 frames a second is how we get that. And the mind interprets that as motion. He goes, that's an amazing thing that's going on. And I think that God made that happen specifically so we could use this medium. Wow. And I'd never thought about it like that before. He's like, you know, cause it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's still photos but we're interpreting them as motion. And he goes, and because of that, we get this whole medium. And of course, you know, there's plenty of bad films out there. I mean, we talk about them on the podcast all the time, but, um, but you, you know, you're totally right. We do have all these tools. Uh, one of the very first podcasts we did, I think it was like number four was with Chris Langham, who's, uh, the teaching pastor at now refuge long beach. And he's got an app called through the word.org. And basically, um, they're going through with various pastors, uh, doing the entire Bible one chapter at a time, but doing it basically explaining what's going on in a eight to ten minute soundbite. Like that's they have to get it done. What that chapter is about in eight to ten minutes. And of course, uh, once upon a time, we talked about um, the fact that Peyton did Leviticus. And that's where, you know, a lot of our, our good Leviticus humor comes from. Yes, it does. Is <laughs> from that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's using all of this technology, but it's just, it's funny how that thought has never crossed my mind that, 
I could actually lead someone to Christ on the phone. I, I don't know why that thought has never crossed my mind. Probably because literally every time I've heard about someone being saved until today was, you know, face to face. Like even my grandfather, I remember when he was in the hospital, um, you know, thinking that his, his number was up and he had rejected God his whole life. And, uh, and this was, uh, my mom's father and, you know, the priest or whatever it was there at the hospital came in and said, Hey, you know, would you like me to, to pray for you or, or talk to you about God? And, and he's like, no, my son-in-law is going to be here. My son-in-law is going to be here. And it wasn't until my dad got there and my dad got there face to face, you know, told him the whole story. This is what it, it means to be saved. This is what it takes. And, you know, this is what you need to do to be saved, basically telling him the, the story. Um, and that's how he became saved. And it wow. was like, but that's every story I've ever heard. And literally until you're, you're mentioning of saving someone on Skype, um, I, that's, I think that thought has never crossed my mind. And I've beat that one to death now. But it's just it's funny to me because I've literally never had that thought before. So have you ever led anybody to Christ over the phone? It's no. The same, it's the same that's thought. what I'm saying. No. Yeah, it's the same, it's the same thing. I mean – I know, but I, I like no. Like that thought has – it's always been like, well, hey, let's get together for lunch, you know, and then we'd meet up or something. Yeah. Well, I just think part of it is just why wait? No time, uh, you know, um, like the present. And part of it is, I mean – People crave community. I mean, and, and that's why Skype, that's why, you know, FaceTime, all that stuff, it's so ubiquitous because people want connection. Um, you know, and that, that's actually why I think your podcasts do great, right? Your podcasts do great because um, um, people want to feel connection and, and you guys make a connection with people, right? right. It's the same thing. And, and that's, that's why I don't think there's, I think anytime we have a chance to make a connection with somebody might as well. The worst thing that's ever happened in terms of using it is, you know, you get somebody on Skype or you get somebody on, on Facebook and, you know, I had a guy from India messaging me like, why do you do what you do? And I told him that, you know, he asked me what I do for a living. And I said, um, well, you know, for a living, I'm a marketing person, but I really help people find peace. And he's like, I need to find peace. And so, you know, we were FaceTiming back and forth or uh, sorry, Facebooking back and forth, Facebook messaging. And I explained him how to find peace with God, because that's the first thing you're going to find hmm. peace with, that you need to find peace, peace with. And, and he rejected it. But at least at least it was a way to have a conversation I could never have had before. Hmm. Interesting, know? man. Interesting. So, LinkedIn, Facebook, I've done I've, uh, Yeah, I would say that anytime, though, you can do it over a video, it's it's much better. So, huh. Well, look, dude, I know we're, we're just about out of time. Do you have any uh, final comments or anything that you wanted to share? Yeah, you know, um, I guess what I would like to do is I have a book up on Amazon, um, and it's called Let's Go by Tyrone Peterson. And I'm going to go up and try to put it up there for a penny. Um, and so... Uh, that pe people want it, they can just get it for a penny and it's good to go. Otherwise, uh, if it won't let me do that, then I'll put it up free for a couple of days. Awesome, man. So yeah. it's Let's Go by Tyrone let's, Peterson on Amazon.com. Let's go. Like, let's get our butts moving. So, and that's, uh, that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for letting me be on the, uh, on the podcast. I, I appreciate the invitation. Well, hey, I'm really glad you could, uh, you could make it on. But, you know, before we go, I got one final question for you. And it's yeah. not the question that you think it is. Ooh. I'd like to know, would you consider yourself a math pastor? A math pastor? Uh, no, no, no. Why a math pastor? I can tell you don't listen to the whole podcast. Oh, Pete, why do you do that to me? All right, have a, I, friends, <laughs> countrymen, lend me your ears. Um, I... I'm a hardcore church planner podcast affectionado because because it's 30 it, minutes. I know it's, 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 it's Pete knows this. And so he takes a shot like that. Here's here's the thing. We actually we've got our, our second sponsor, which is Simplify Church. And and we always joke because, uh, you know, their their tagline is they are the service simplifychurch.com for the non math pastors. So if. If you're a, a church planner listening to this or a pastor listening to this and you need help with your books, with your payroll, with uh, workman's comp, 
with anything that has to do with your church, including website design, all of that. Simplifychurch.com is a great solution for you. They are uh, the service for the non-math pastor. As Peyton likes to say, all of the numbers hurt his head, and so we have Simplify Church, uh, not only for our church, but also for uh, New Breed, his uh, his uh, nonprofit organization that uh, that he uses uh, to train church planners out of. So uh, that's SimplifyChurch.com. And I didn't think you listened because I I knew that you you cut off at the very end. You're like, oh, you guys are too long. You, you're always you're always going to the very end, and and that's usually where we do our simplifychurch.com. I'm a terrible person. I'm a terrible person. That's it. That's it. No, no, you're not a terrible person. Uh, but what I will say is, oh, sorry, man. Hold on. <laughs> that makes Don't it even make better. Me destroy you. I find your lack of faith disturbing. You have failed me for the last time. I got a bad feeling about this. But anyway, everybody, that's all we got to say on this particular episode of the Church Planner Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us. And as Peyton would say, if my little buddy were here, if you want to reach the ones that no one is reaching, you've got to go where no one is going and do what no one is doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.